are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hello once again. I feel like I'm everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, during the course of this last week, we've had, uh, we started up the new series called I Am, and we're just going over the different I Am statements of Jesus. Uh, so, I am the bread of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about I am the good shepherd. Uh, and it's interesting, because I feel like, in a lot of senses, uh, being a classic Sunday school Awanas kid, I feel like I kind of heard a lot of these things before. But also, I feel like the Lord brought like, certain things to light to me that I hadn't necessarily uh, thought of or considered previously. So I'm kind of excited to share it with y'all. Uh, uh, I guess, per usual, uh, brace yourself for a nice biblical marathon. <laughs> we'll be flipping some pages, so it'll be okay. Uh, you can thank Matt, because Matt got them all on slides, even though it took him a little bit. So thank you, Matt. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> so... First things first, we're going to start off with like one of the most well-known verses other than John 3.16. So I feel like Psalm 23 is a place where like almost everybody who grew up in any sort of Bible belt probably has this like posted up in their wall inside their house at least uh, in some little framed picture or on their coffee table or on a coaster or whatever it might be. Uh, But we're just going to read off through Psalm 23 uh, really quickly here. So uh, if you guys like, you can read it with me. So it says, uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So for that Psalm 23, I imagine that most folks, even if you didn't even grow up in church, most of y'all probably heard this at least once, if not 10 or 20 or 30 times. You probably saw it on some billboards. You probably seen it. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's one of the most recognizable verses we have here, too. Uh, but even in the concept of like sheep and shepherd, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I have no need. Uh, I feel like oftentimes in my own readings of that, I feel like I don't necessarily focus on like who the shepherd is enough. I feel like oftentimes I put all my focus just on like me as the sheep. Uh, maybe that could just be good old classic selfish will. And just like, all right, it's all about me. How can this focus on me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, but man, but I just want to spend some time just to be able to focus on the good shepherd, on Jesus. Uh, so here, uh, I have another passage that we're going to read through here. It's John chapter 10. Uh, it's a little lengthy. It's 1 through 18 and then 27 through 30. And for this one, actually, I can just go ahead and read through this one real quickly too. Uh, as I said, it's going to be a bit of a biblical marathon. So uh, as usual, I guess buckle your seatbelts. 
as you think. So, all right. <laughs> See here. So it'll go to John chapter 10, uh, verse 1 through 18, and then we'll go 27 through 30. So it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Then he has brought them out his own, sorry, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. And Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And as it continues in verse 27 through 30, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. So Jesus is brilliant in the way that he crafts his stories. Uh, like, he understands his audience of who he's talking to is a bunch of country folk. <laughs> so he's not, he's not in the midst of the city. He's, he's, he's amongst folks who generally have a better understanding of agriculture versus basic business. Uh, so he goes about and he tells the story in a way that they can relate and understand it. Uh, like I always think about it like in myself in pharmacy, like we have a thing that's called, uh, it's called, uh, it's called medical literacy, uh, in which you have to be able to determine, like when I'm talking to a patient, I can talk to them at like this level about all this technical medical stuff, uh, but it'd be a waste of my time most of the time because most of y'all, like, I mean, I spent years studying all the medical stuff. Y'all haven't. So I just start talking about stuff like, uh, like uh, INRs and clotting factors, and y'all just be like, am I bleeding or not? <laughs> That's the main thing. So man, so but even with Jesus, the way he's able to craft his statements, and it's like when as a pharmacist, the way I have to craft my statements, I have to listen to how somebody else says something, and I need to repeat it back in a similar fashion. So if somebody's talking about having, oh, I have hypertension, but if they say my pressure's up, then I'll start to, I'll refer to it in the same way. Because if I start using words like hypertension, I'm just going to lose them. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, and in the way Jesus molds his story, uh, here talking about the sheep and the shepherd in a way that shepherds would understand. In the way that people would be able to relate to is masterful. Uh, 
But here, but I know that for our culture, we don't deal with sheep and shepherds. Matter of fact, I mean, some of us grew up in the country, but most of us live here in a city. Uh, so talking about sheep, shepherds, cows, cattle, ranches, whatever it might be, doesn't quite fit the context that we live in. So I want to spend some time just to be able to talk about the sheep and shepherds a little bit and try to give some like context and background information here. Uh, so first things first. So you have a shepherd. Shepherd would usually be one person. Uh, nowadays, I guess I think of sheep and sheep dogs and herds of hundreds of sheep with some good old great shepherd like uh, that's going over here, uh, running alongside the sheep. Uh, but back then, it used to be that sheep would have a flock of maybe about like 20 sheep. Like so, shepherds have about 20 sheep that'd be alongside of them, uh, and rather than allowing them to have open spaces because they didn't have like fences to ward off predators. They didn't have any sort of protections that were there. So the shepherds had to be with the sheep uh, all day. Uh, Other thing too, so um, sheep would try to follow, but at the same time, sheep's vision is kind of funky. So the eyes are further to the side of their head. So they can see really well, like all around them. But also, I guess sheep actually have an astigmatism. So they can't see very far. They can only see short distances in front of them. So, uh, and if a sheep is like put on its back, it's unable to be able to turn back onto its side. So it needs somebody to monitor it. So if it rolls over, it can't roll back. Somebody needs to be able to pick it up and set it, set it upright. Uh, other things, uh, sheep's intelligence. If you put a sheep out in a pasture uh, in a certain area, the sheep will just keep eating that particular area. And rather than going on and looking for a new spot, they'll literally just keep eating in the same spot. Uh, and they'll just find whatever they can eat. So like another sheep could literally just like, I don't know, do its business over here, like let loose something or poop on the ground. And the other sheep literally might come and try to eat it if somebody's not like paying attention to it. Like, uh, so, so man, so uh, the other thing, so I mean, hence sheep can't be left on their own all day. And it's interesting, I, I ran across a story about some Turkish shepherds. So they have, uh, it was the shepherds that owned like 1,500 sheep. So they had this huge flock of sheep. Uh, and all the shepherds decided they were going to go in for breakfast that morning. So they all went in to try to eat. Uh, and when they came out, all their sheep were gone. And they couldn't figure out what happened to them. And it turns out that what happened is that one of the sheep had decided, hey, I'm just going to go walk off in this general direction and didn't realize there was a cliff there and literally walked off the cliff. And all the other 1,500 sheep saw that one do it, and they all literally just followed behind it and jumped off a cliff. So of those 1,500 sheep, 400 of them died, and the other 1,100 lived simply because when they fell, they fell on top of the other sheep. So that's how they survived. So, so, like, uh, so in the concept of like, that sheep need to be monitored. It's like they had to be monitored at all times because they oftentimes don't even know their own good. I was talking to Tim before service and he brought up a story that they did an experiment with sheep where they put a fence out in a field and they had sheep that would jump over the fence. Uh, so they, they had like the first 10 sheep go ahead and jump over this fence each time. And then after the 10th one, they pulled the fence out and the sheep would still try to jump even though there wasn't a fence there just because they saw the other sheep do it. So they just keep jumping over air. <laughs> so man, so it's interesting when they say like, uh, like verses like in Isaiah 53 where it says like, we like sheep have went astray and turned everyone to our, turned, turned to our own way. Uh, and the Lord has punished him and the, for the iniquities of us all. But you think of sheep going astray. I, I had never thought about it as the 1,500 sheep jumping off a cliff. <laughs> like I always thought it was the one that was wandering. Uh, but I never realized that sheep could have that, uh, would sometimes lack that awareness. So it's interesting. 
uh, other things too. So for the shepherd, his job was to be able to, uh, to find pastures for them to be able to feast in. And I know that here in like Kansas, Flint Hills area, like you think of finding pastor, you're like, well, let's just go to the edge of city limits. <laughs> just right there. Uh, but in, in Judea at the times, it's, it's like a barren wasteland in some areas. Uh, and the concept of being able to find like good grass or fresh grass for them to eat is not so easy. So they would spend a lot of time wandering and looking, trying to find patches where the, feet, the, the sheep could actually eat at. Uh, other things too. Uh, along with that, uh, the sheep could also uh, learn to recognize the shepherd's voice over time. Uh, that's because there was a deep relationship that was typically cultivated over the course of years. Uh, so it talks about it in uh, verse uh, 10, 4 through 5, where it says, uh, when he has brought all his, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of the strangers. Uh, it also mentions it in uh, verse 27 through 30, where it talks about my sheep will know my voice. Uh, as a shepherd would spend all day with these sheep, and imagine there's, a, there's an intimacy that gets established. It's like, if you have a dog, you don't even spend all day with your dog but there's an intimacy that's established automatically off the bat just because you're around each other. You start to see its quirks, its tendencies, its habits. You start to see how it goes about its day. You start to, even if you have multiple pets, you start to see the differences and the nuances between this dog versus this dog versus this cat. You know, this dog is really gregarious and is always boasting itself or barking really loud even though it's the smallest one. And this one's really fearful even though it shouldn't be. And all those little nuances too. Ooh. So yeah, so then... Uh, as the shepherd would walk, he would lead the way for the sheep and they would follow. Uh, and the shepherd would be able to carry like a rod and a staff with him. Uh, so the rod and the staff, it'd be able to help to, uh, not just to guide the sheep, uh, but also to defend the sheep against predators. So the shepherd would use his rod and staff to direct the sheep on where to go and pushing those that are behind and fetching those that go astray. And if there's one that walks away, you can catch it with a little hook that's inside of the rod and the staff there too. Uh, and then also, uh, the sheep were always in constant danger. So, I mean, as you notice, sheep don't really have a lot of defense mechanisms. Uh, maybe the males, the rams, they may have some, they may have some horns that get developed. But other than that, like, there's not, not a lot that they can do. They don't have sharp teeth. Uh, they aren't extremely fast. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times, they're kind of like just sitting ducks. Like, they're almost like a, uh, I mean, you can go and, go and find yourself a, a nice hard-fought meal, or you can get yourself a little TV dinner or some snack food, and that's basically a sheep. It's <laughs> defenseless and easy to access. Uh, uh, so the shepherd would constantly have to defend the sheep, uh, by, and oftentimes be by himself, defending it from wild beasts and robbers, uh, and use the rod and the staff to defend the sheep as well as drive away dogs and wolves and bears uh, that would make prey on the flock. Uh, and even in that, you hear about it like in David, uh, when he was talking about before he went to go slay, to slay Goliath in 1 Samuel. David said, uh, said uh, when, Sam, when Saul was asking him, hey, are you sure you want to go off and fight this big old Goliath? You're nothing but a boy. Uh, and David would answer Saul, he says, your servant's been tending to his father's sheep. And whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from, from the flock, I went after it and struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And if it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and strike it down and kill it. Uh, so, man, so even just the, the concept of having to fend the sheep as a shepherd. Uh, and even in that, uh, it would go on further to say that uh, like some shepherds would even die trying to save their sheep's lives in the process of defending it, uh, in the process of putting themselves in that position of danger. Uh, and there would be, uh, uh, when shepherds would try to, uh, 
get someone to, to care for the sheep for them, oftentimes what they'd find is that they'd have to hire somebody. So say if there's a wedding or a funeral or something they want to go for, they, they have to try to hire somebody to be able to take over for them. So those hired hands. Uh, but the issue is those people don't have relationship with the sheep. Uh, it's like, uh, actually, I bet some of y'all experience this too. If you have somebody go and sit for your dog uh, and you notice that they don't necessarily care for them the same way that you do. Uh, they are, I mean, they may forget to feed them occasionally, or maybe they don't take them out to go play as much as you would like, or they only take them out for one walk instead of three a day. Uh, little things like that. Uh, the hired hand is a person that doesn't have a cultivated relationship. He just has monetary benefit. And if at any point the cost outweighs the monetary benefit, he's done. So if there happens to be 15 robbers that are showing up to try to take that one sheep, he's probably just going to be like, you can have it. It's fine. It's fine. It's not, it's not mine to begin with. I'm not getting paid enough to be able to have to handle this. Uh, I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, so man, so, uh, so the good shepherds were those who owned and protected the sheep. As Jesus said here in John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13, he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them, and this happens because he's the hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. So uh, other things that would take place too. So you mentioned them talking about putting the sheep in like a fold or a pen. So it says the shepherd would take the sheep to a fold for them to rest. And he would, what he would do is he would, uh, he would set it up. So as you can see it here, it kind of has a little pen, it has a little gate. Uh, but what we would do is he would actually lay at the gate each time. So when he's laying there, uh, the sheep would have to jump over him to be able to get in and get out. And that's how he'd keep track to see if he had all the sheep that he had. Uh, so if he'd sit there and he'd have his rod and as a sheep would come through, he'd be counting them one by one for when they jump in. Because especially if they have full coats of wool, it'd be really hard to be able to pick out one versus the other. It'd look like a pack of cotton balls, basically. Uh, so, so yeah, so, uh, so, he'd have to, he'd have them jump over him to be able to count the sheep as they went in. Uh, and other thing that he would also be able to do is that uh, uh, he would be able to monitor exactly who goes in and who goes out. So if the gate's open, he wouldn't have to worry about it. He'd be the first one there if a predator were to try to approach. Uh, he'd be the first one that'd be available to be able to see uh, who was coming through. But also, uh, it talks about in the first part of this John chapter 10 verse where he says, uh, uh, verse 1 through 3, where it says, Truly I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief or a robber. And the one who enters the gate is the, sheep, or the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens it for him. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So as you can see in that picture, you can see that that'd be the place where the thieves would be able to jump over. The, gate, the walls usually aren't that high. Like they, aren't, they aren't designed to be able to keep other folks out. It's really designed to be able to keep the sheep in. Uh, so if he fell asleep or if he wasn't paying attention, then somebody could come in and literally just steal the sheep from the other side. So uh, at that time and in that day, uh, it was safer. the sheep were safer with the shepherds uh, when they were walking down the routes or walking down the roads oftentimes than they were in the sheep pens as there were more threats to them when they were staying stagnant. Uh, or when they were locked in there, rather than if they had the shepherd that was present with them at the moment. So even just hearing these different aspects and different facets of the shepherd versus the sheep, uh, what I'd like to do here is, honestly, I just want to go back to Psalm 23, because uh, I feel like now having that context, uh, when I heard it, then it helped me to understand Psalm 23 even more uh, regarding who he is and who, who, who the Lord is and what the Lord is doing for us in the ways that he's shielding us and protecting us. Uh, so here, if we can go back to Psalm 23 one more time. Uh, and here, I just want to like, uh, 
I just want to read this over you guys then too. So just like, just sit back and just listen uh, to each of these aspects as well. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. man in the context of the good shepherd (laughs) the good shepherd who guides who leads who protects Uh, I know that oftentimes for ourselves in our own lives it's really easy for us to try to uh, really do our own thing to be the one sheep that goes astray I mean I've experienced that numerous times and I'd like to say it only happened like before I came to the Lord shoot It's a daily battle. It is to try to go about doing my own thing or to try to go about living my own way or living my own routes or making my own paths. Uh, Because for some reason, I oftentimes get the idea that, you know what, I can make my path straight. I really can. I can I can I can get this thing down pat. Uh, But man, so it's it's interesting because. The sheep that know his voice, the sheep that listen to his commands, the sheep that follow him when he speaks, the sheep that hear him. Uh, listening is easier. Sometimes obedience is hard. <laughs> to me, and to remember that in times of gift, difficulty that we serve a good shepherd who wants to give us life and life abundantly. That's the whole reason why he came to. Uh, and at times to remember that uh, he is good and that he is kind. It says in Proverbs that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. <laughs> there's a way that seems right to a sheep, but in the way, in the way but in the end it leads to jumping off a cliff. <laughs> so man, so so I guess really I pose a question for you guys too. So then the question I have for you guys as well is, uh, who is leading you? Uh, who is leading you? I, I know it's really easy to say, well, I mean, I'm, I follow the Lord or I follow the Good Shepherd at the same time. Uh, I know that in my own life, I, I haven't found that to always be true. Uh, at times, it was myself. It was me looking for my own satisfaction. Maybe at times, it was me looking for uh, a big check, <laughs> whatever sort of comfort and security I could find in that. Uh, maybe, maybe it was looking for a perfect life, uh, not trusting that the Lord can provide that for me. Oh, maybe some of you guys feel like you just don't have any sort of leader. Uh, maybe you feel like you kind of march, march to the beat of your own drummer or do your own thing as well. Uh, but even with that, it's almost impossible in today's society. Like, do you guys know there's entire companies that are designed to try to sway your opinions and focuses? Like, entire corporations that are designed to try to lead you in a certain direction or lead you to a certain place. Uh, so, man, so... Uh, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was listening to another sermon that's from another pastor. His name's John Tyson, who is out in New York City. Uh, and one of the things he actually mentioned, too, 
uh, he was talking about the concept of free will and choice. And he was saying, he's like, man, he's like, a, he's like, do you really think that the elected, the people we have in our elections are really the best candidates that are out there? So looking back, going over any election that we've had, do you really think that those two candidates that we have are the most capable leaders, uh, the most morally sound, uh, the ones who are uh, the wisest that we can choose in all those circumstances and situations? And honestly, I say, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I really don't think so. Uh, man, it's really what's pushed forward to you. Uh, there, there are people who have those corporations that they hire that are putting forth uh, X, Y, and Z facet of this person to try to make them seem better or make them seem worse or whatever it could be. Uh, in large part, there's all sorts of propaganda that goes about. Uh, but essentially, the thing is, if you don't choose what you're going to follow, you'll end up following something anyways. There's always going to be something that fills that gap and fills that spot. So man, and even the time, even in the concept of uh, maybe maybe you do have leaders, but you find that you're serving underneath like uh, like bad shepherds. There really could be uh, folks who don't have your best heart or your best intentions in mind. Folks who don't uh, don't care for you, who don't don't desire to be able to to see you made whole or see you made well. Uh, maybe that could be the case too. Uh, it's interesting because even in the book of Ezekiel it kind of goes over the concept of bad shepherds. So here in Ezekiel 34, though it starts talking about, uh, the word of the Lord came to me, and the Son of Man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them that this is what the Lord says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, you wear the wool, and butcher and fatten the animals but you do not tend to the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for a lack of shepherds. They came for food and all the wild animals, and when they were scattered, my flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill, and my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the words of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. Because my flock, lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal. Because my shepherds do not search for my flock. And because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God, Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will go no longer feeding themselves, for I will rescue the flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey, and I will judge between one sheep and another. I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken." To me. So, uh, along those shepherds of good, of, of, of good shepherds, how often have you guys seen this? I mean, how often have you guys even seen this, even in the midst of the church? Uh, think of all the, all the different scandals that have come out over the years where there's pastors who have been uh, uh, collecting funds, <laughs> uh, building their own lavish lifestyles, basically just storing their treasures, their heavenly treasures here on earth uh, would be the main thing, too. 
Uh, but man, but I thank, I thank God that, that even as a leader, I still am a sheep who needs a shepherd. And never forgetting the fact that Jesus is my own good shepherd. That he's not going to leave me forsaken. That, he, that his desire is to be able to bandage me when I'm injured. To heal me when I'm sick and to strengthen me when I'm weak. Uh, he's not out here just to try to get the wool from me or to try to butcher me for his own sake. Uh, that when I go astray, that he'll go and find me. <laughs> so man, <laughs> I just thank the Lord for that much. I thank the Lord that he's a God who seeks me out. <laughs> so man, even in contrast to that, I also go back to uh, John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13 as well. To discuss who Jesus is as the good shepherd. Where there he says that I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them and this happens because he has a hired hand. So Jesus is not a hired hand. As a matter of fact, we are his own. <laughs> when the wolves come, uh, when sin and death comes, uh, when, when poverty comes, when pain comes, uh, he will not abandon or flee from us. When we find ourselves stuck in our own traps of our own doing, uh, he's not going to run away from us and leave us there. Instead, he chose to lay down his life to rescue us from the thing that we couldn't rescue ourselves from. Us defenseless sheep, where all we can do is bleat. We can't even yell. <laughs> uh, all, we, we have no defenses in and of ourselves, but I thank you that our God is a good shepherd. And I thank you that he willingly chose to lay down his life for us. That it talks about here in verse 14, 15, and in 17 and 18. It says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. And I have received this command from the Father. Another thing is, too, is like a, as much as this thing is about certain circumstances and situations about how the Lord's going to save us from difficulty, it's not even just about that. Ultimately, it's about the gospel. It's a representation of me and myself and my own depravity and my own sin. Lost to the world, lost, lost in the world, and lost of purpose. But Jesus, being the good shepherd, rescued me and saved me at the cost of his own life. Jesus, being the good shepherd, brought me back into his fold. Jesus, living in perfect obedience. Jesus, the suffering servant, uh, who, who asked the Lord not once but three times to see if that cup could be taken from him, but still willingly obeyed his father, even unto death. That's the God who saved us, the God who redeemed us, the God who made us whole. Man, so uh, today I just want to fix. Our, I just want us to fix our eyes on Jesus, on the author and perfecter of our own faith.
everything we need, everything we desire is found in him. Whatever it might be, it's found and rooted only in him. Uh, So here, to to finish everything off today, uh, I just want to read through Psalm 23 one more time. So third time's the charm, they say, right? (laughs) So here, if we could just put it back up, and I just want you guys to read it with me again. So, uh, there you go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. (laughs) So, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd. Father, you take care of every single need that we can have. Father, you lead us beside still waters. Father, you're the God who provides our nourishment for us. Lord, you satisfy and quench the thirsts and desires of our heart. Lord, in this dry and weary land where nothing satisfies, Father, I thank you that you do. You're the God who restores our soul. That, Lord, you lead us, Father, on paths of righteousness, Lord, through the valleys of darkness, Father, you're a God who is always with us, never, never fading, Lord, never, never changing, Father, always faithful and always true. That, Lord, we can find comfort in you even in the presence of our enemies, Lord. That, Lord, we can be seated and rested. That, Lord, we can be filled, Father, even in the midst of trials and difficulties. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you clean us and you anoint us. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of abundance, that Father, that our cup overflows. And Lord, most importantly to you, I just thank you that, that as we walk with you and as we're guided and as we're led by you, that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives as well. So Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice that you've made. Father, I apologize for any places that I've tried to lead myself. Uh, Lord, I repent for any ways in which I've tried to do my own thing or be my own boss or whatever it might be. Lord, I thank you that your mercies extend far beyond my, my ideas of what I think is perfect or my ideas of, and my failures uh, that, I've, that I've tried along the way. Father, I thank you that, Lord, your kindness, your kindness leads us back to repentance, Lord. So, Lord, we just celebrate the works that you've done and Lord, we rest in the works that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.